Good morning, folks. It's time for Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show about the crucial political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and the nation at large. Join us for a stimulating, thought-provoking discussion. You'll get the facts as we focus on the challenges facing everyone. Good morning, folks. Steve Williamson here. Um, glad that you could be with us on Labor Day. I have two guests. If you're not from our area, the, um, our area of Yavapai County is divided by the Black Hills or the Black Range. And uh, Sedona and the Verde Valley are on one side. And the two gentlemen I have here today are from the other side, from the Prescott side. And we have... Uh, Jay Ruby, who's run the campaign. Last time I talked to Jay, he was running the campaign to um, deal with Gosar. I, I, yeah, I was working with Dr. Brill uh, in his congressional run in 2018. But you were also campaigning to recall Gosar. Either we were doing the remove Paul Gosar effort, and I actually have to count that as a minor victory because one of our targets was the American Dental Association. Uh-huh. And... There was an article about, I think it was just about a month and a half ago, where they had actually decided to stop funding Paul Gosar. Wow. So that's a, a little victory. I was so desperate. I was looking around and talking to uh, more moderate, conservative, ordinary Republicans and, and begging them to run against Gosar. I said, give us a conservative Republican who's not insane, you know, um, and not not over-the-top conspiracy guy, not the... Uh, in a campaign to win worst Congress rep- congressional representative in the United States, and that's Paul Gosar. And you guys are, are stuck with him. We're lucky to have Tom O'Halloran here in Sedona, our little area of the of, of the valley. And uh, my other guest is um, is um, is uh, John Lutz. And we talked to John in last October. John, yeah. say hello to folks. Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, yeah, last, last October I was uh, running for uh, District 1 County Supervisor. And John is uh, – the thing about John is John is an important person in the economic part, uh, life of, of Prescott, part of the – Part of the uh, a business owner, a manager, um, for a longtime resident, and uh, he had such great credentials. And he was running against when we talk, when I talked to you last time, you were running against this wacko guy who was supported by the oath takers or whatever they're oath called, ke- oath keepers, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so he was running against um, uh, a really extreme right wing Republican. And I I just hoped you'd you'd get enough moderate, uncrazy Republicans to to win the thing. Yeah, it was an election. Um, you know, when you look at the number of votes that I actually got, we actually met what we thought was approximately our target to win. Mm-hmm. But uh, so many cra- crazy right-wingers came out of the woodwork that uh, we actually lost by almost four, like around 4,000 votes or so. Um, but it, it was pretty amazing because running in District 1, there's, uh, as a Democrat, there was only about 5,000 Democrats registered in District 1, and I got 11,500 votes. Good. Which, That's really good, you John. Know, which yeah. is, uh, you know, it, I have to look at that as take it away as my win, is, is that I had quite a large number of Republicans and, and uh, uh, independents vote for me. I, I don't think that's... Um 
just uh, uh, just talk. If you got that many votes from Republicans and and independents, then I then I think you did really well. You did well for the party. Understand, folks, that, that Sedona here is a, is a kind of liberal Democratic voting town. The rest of the Verde Valley is conservative. And where John and Jay are from on the other side of the mountain is just conservative, conservative. I, I looked at the statistics. There's roughly I could I could write out the numbers, but there's roughly twice as many Republicans as Democrats. Um, we had the county recorder on the show a couple of weeks ago. I was out on vacation, but it was a really good uh, interview, uh, folks. With it gives you all the details on voting, or at least a lot of the details on voting. Um, it's a it's a hard it's a hard road to hoe when you you guys run year after year and uh, and and you're out number two to one to st- out of the gate yeah, you know it, it's like you stand halfway back before the, the it, it, it it was difficult but we really put ourselves out there we did a good job of fundraising we had the resources. Um, you know, uh, we really had put together a good campaign, and you know, uh, I, I had good people on my team, and what we stuck to was just the issues, and we found that the issues were the same. Everybody that I called, you know, it's and I, I really didn't place any calls to Democrats. I only called Republicans and Independents, and you found that they were considered, they were all concerned about water and growth. Um, you know, every, everybody's concerned about the traffic. Everybody's concerned about, um, you know, what, 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 what you would call it, what the Republicans love to call the Californication of Arizona. You know, the, the dense housing developments going in and, and whether there's really water for them or not. And so those were the main concerns that it seemed like I, I, I was able to, you know, coalesce people around is, is that we need a little bit smarter model for growth. I, I got to say, as, as someone over on this side, I'm really re- glad that you ran that campaign. I think you did a really good job. You really took, took, uh, took a lot of questions out there. Mostly, folks, on the local level, the issues are not nearly as partisan. For instance, the, the city council and most of the all over the Verde Valley are nonpartisan posts. Everybody knows who's a Republican, who's a Democrat, who's an independent in the background. But it's, all, it's run as nonpartisan and, and it's supposed to be focused on, on issues. Hopefully we can continue to do that. Yeah, and Well, the issues that John brought up in his campaign around water and growth resonated again in the Prescott City Council and mayoral race this past August. Where, how, how did that go? Well, there was uh, two new people on council, and, and the incumbent mayor lost. Mayor Mangarelli lost to city councilman Phil Good. Phil Good, Brandon Montoya, and Eric Moore all ran on water and growth issues. Mm-hmm. So you could say that John's campaign, which was focused on these issues, the issues turned out to be the uh, key element in the in the next city council race, which decidedly changed the direction of Prescott. There's now like a 4-3 majority for people concerned about water and growth in Prescott, which includes the new mayor and the new council members. That's why I've always thought it's so important for people to run for office, even if they don't have much of a chance of winning, because I think it bleeds over, like just as you're saying, it bleeds over from John's campaign over into the, to the city uh, council campaign. Um, it, it, I just want to... It is so important because our nation's built on dialogue. And if you have too long a one-party rule, and it doesn't matter where you are in the world, one-party rule 
begins to corrupt. It and does. I mean, I, I was in uh, Manhattan, lived in Manhattan for many years. I'm from Oklahoma, but I lived in Manhattan. And just having just the Democrats win all the posts all the time, it would be better yeah. to have you know another party but what happens there is that you have the reformers versus the regulars so it becomes a proxy political parties and so it does kind of it does kind of work out in some ways um i think you guys are in a very difficult position i think see folks sedona is is two-thirds in yavapai county where these gentlemen are and it's when one-third in Coconino. So it's like this line. Um, if you're in Yavapai, it's two, twice as many Republicans as Democrats. If you're in Coconino, the Democrats have a... a, a are there any... Let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm ignorant on some of these. Are there any elected Democrats to county offices and stuff in Yavapai County? You got one right here. Well, we got one over here, yeah. but how about over where you folks are? No. All right. Uh, and I, I made that attempt because, you know, county supervisor is a uh, partisan office. It's, you, you know, you have the R&Ds next to your name. So, you know, we made the run at that. And uh, like I say, I thought I did pretty well and made a difference in the conversation, but then wasn't quite able to pull it off. But, uh, you know, in that, you know, the, that one party system, that's, you know, we, we played to that some, too, because with three decades of Republican Party rule in the Prescott side of Yavapai County and really lording over the county, any anything that's a problem in, in Yavapai County, you know, you really can't blame Democrats for. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I want to have a kind of a... A mini shout-out to Labor Day. Today is Labor Day 2021. Labor Day started in 1892. I believe a carpenter in New York City came up with the idea. The labor unions picked it up and said, hey, that's a good idea. Let's, let's celebrate Labor Day. And then in 1894, uh, a beloved uh, progressive president, Grover Cleveland, <laughs> made it a national <laughs> holiday. So people think Labor Day is some late, late developed holiday, but it's been around for over 100 yeah. years now. And, right? and we should remember, too, the Haymarket riots in 1890 in Chicago were really part of a strong labor movement at that period of time. And Labor Day was a way to almost placate that movement. Yeah, and when I was when I was young in Oklahoma, in a small town in Oklahoma, the whole town celebrated Labor Day. They, there was an area out near the lake, and we, they had you know flags and, and some speeches and some and some ice cream for the kids, you know, and games and stuff. But the whole town, all the civic celebrations that we had, and and and, and Claremore ended over the years. People no longer came to them. And Labor Day was one of the fun events for kids that, that got... We were just talking on yeah, the way over when, about the loss of you holidays. Know, I'm, I'm a 40-year retail businessman. I currently have Van Gogh's Ear Gallery on Whiskey Row. We've been open 20 years almost. Um, but uh, I, I, I started in retail, you know, like 40 years ago. I opened a, a furniture store on Whiskey Row in Prescott. And when I opened that... We were closed Sundays. Um, we were closed holidays like Memorial Day, Fourth of July, and Labor Day. Um, and I watched the in in my age group. I watched the progression through where, you know, pretty soon we were open Sundays, 
And, you know, for, no furniture stores were open Sundays in 1981 when I first started that store. Right. And pretty soon all furniture stores were open Sundays, and so were we. And then all of the Labor Day and Memorial Day became holidays or, or became sales. Those holidays became sales. And that's what you see today is, is that, you know, you can look at your advertising that's stuffed in your newspaper or on, on television or whatever. Is the, Those days have become days that only government people really have off. So that's the change where, you know, people, whole towns used to gather like you were describing, Steve. Um, you know, and now more and more people work those days. I think that's a very, very good point, the collapse of some of our... Also, the content of Labor Day. It was really set up to placate, I guess, but American labor. And, of course, I guess the image of American labor then was, you know, industrial, industrial, very heavily unionized, uh, steel workers and all that sort of thing. Uh, but it celebrated the achievements of America in terms of labor and innovation and creation. And it celebrated... Not the bosses, but the people who were actually doing the work. The mm-hmm. workforce. So it, I, I hate to see, as John was, I hate to see the holiday turned into this, you know, 20% off day. Right. Right. You know, it's, a, yeah, the, you know, you, you can get the, the best deal on the new car through Labor Day. You know, and, and, you know, so all those people in the car sales are now working those holidays. They don't get those holidays. You know, and, and, and just, it's, it's happened just one, one part of the economy after another. You know, restaurants didn't used to be open on those days. You know, now the restaurants are all open on those days. And it's the same with Sundays. I, I, I think it's a deterioration of family values. I think family values, you know, are, are really supported by uh, people having time off to spend with others that have time off. I think these celebrations we used to have in the small town in Oklahoma on 4th of July, Labor Day, Memorial Day was a little different in tone, of course, helped knit the community together. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, it was beyond partisanship. Everybody, the, the American flag wasn't, the, uh, wasn't owned by the right wing. We all had American flags, and they were stuck on everything, and we had bunting, and, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was a very different world that we were, we, we were in there, and I think we lost things as well as gained things with the, the change in time. Um, what do we want to talk about today? Because you guys have come all the way over from Prescott. Over that terrible mountain pass. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I'll tell you, right it now. could not have been more lovely than it was this morning early. I mean, it, you know, it is so green out there right now with all the rains we've had, and there was no traffic whatsoever. I, I mean, we came all the way, you know, from Prescott Valley over the mountain through Jerome and now, and, and down uh, here without ever being behind a, car, a vehicle. Wow. Which was really amazing. So It is an know, absolutely beautiful drive. It's spectacular. And, uh, whiskey Roll, where uh, John had his, uh, his uh, business, has his businesses, I shouldn't use the past tense, was a place where, like Sedonans, we would go over to Whiskey Row. I mean, that's the one mm. thing in Prescott we, yeah. that we yeah. really knew. And there are art galleries there, and there's uh, um, restaurants, and it's, it's a really neat to have an old-fashioned square. Prescott has a square. It's interesting because we're talking about, like, time, like a holiday being a place for people to come, time for people to come together. The Prescott Square is unique in that it's a place for people to come together. 
I know this is one of the things that first attracted me to Prescott was that it had a town center, and it was a, it was it's public space. It's the Commons. What I um, we were originally campaigning on the internet for space public spaces on the internet, but what we saw, and this is oh you know 1999. Um, was the collapse of public spaces everywhere. And that if you're in Sedona, the parking lots are all owned by businesses. We have very little public space. And one of the campaigns in Sedona is to get us some public space so that there are, people can uh, uh, meet and do things. We have, you know, parks and stuff. But, but we don't have public spaces to do politics and do discussions and stuff. It's just, it's just not set up to do that. Uh, I went over um, back after the Kerry campaign. I was a representative of Door, Door's vice president, representative of Door to to you guys, basically to the other side of the mountain. And I was really impressed, and still impressed, of how well organized you are, given the difficulty of your situation. So, what are we going to talk about today? What's right. the what's the, the what are the action? I'd things? say the the things we have coming up. Uh, this actually ties into everything. It's R and R, which is not well. It's not rest and relaxation because we haven't really had that for about five years. Uh, referendums and redistricting; those are the those are what is on the forefront right now. Uh, in let's terms talk about of referendums first, and then, then redistricting. Yeah. Uh, we did a really good show on redistricting with Holly Plug, I believe mm-hmm. the door representative. Holly's a great person. She is a great she's person. She's probably the most knowledgeable person around here in terms she's of the, She's not only a door representative to the redistricting committee, but she's also uh, one of the uh, three liaisons for the Yaupai County Democratic Party to the uh, redistricting. And, and Holly's kind of gone from being a guest on the show to being one of the co-hosts. She's a kind of <laughs> an on-call co-host. And um, the last show she did was really, really excellent on um, climate change. Mm-hmm. Hard yeah. show to do because of the complexity of the issues. So, referendums. Yeah, well, first, let's just say the R&R. We're having outreach meetings okay. to discuss all these things. And you want to discuss public. them together. Yeah, well, it's like it's a way of connecting with Democrats throughout Yavapai County. So we've done events in Camp Verde, Chino Valley, Yarnell, Congress, Cortez Junction, this week, we'll be doing it in Rimrock tomorrow at 1.30. We'll be meeting at Emerald Wave Studio. On Wednesday the 8th, we'll be meeting at 4.30 p.m. at the Sedona Charter School. And on Thursday, we're actually having our monthly meeting, which normally takes place in Prescott. We're doing it in Cottonwood at the Fogel Brothers between 5 and 7 p.m. So let's, let's go over that again. Let's, let's start with the, the meeting you're going to have in, in Sedona is when? Uh, it is Wednesday the 8th at 4.30 p.m. at Sedona Charter School. And then the meeting you're going to do, you have got your monthly meeting in Cottonwood. Where is it going to be and when it's is gonna it going to be? It's going to be 777 Main Street at the Fogel Brothers in the white tent back behind where they serve food. So we'll have like a old-style uh, big tent, open air, so it's it's a bit more COVID-safe. And we'll actually have Adrian Fontes, the Maricopa County recorder, uh, who was overseeing the election in Maricopa County, speaking. And what is Adrian running for? 
or is he? Uh, he he's running for Secretary, Secretary of State. State. Yeah, okay. Secretary of State. Who would so. make a good one? Oh, he'd make an excellent Secretary of State. Katie Hobbs would make a great governor. Um. <laughs> but we try to have all Democratic candidates uh, on the show. You know, yeah. even the ones we hate, we have them on in. No, no. <laughs> I will say one of the things that coming from uh, from New York is the total lack of corruption and double dealing dishonesty among Democrats. There just isn't any of it. Well, that's are all straight up power. guys. I know. There's no graph because there's Give no us power. 30 years of power and I'm sure but it'll the, happen. The, you know, the important thing about this tour is is that we're hitting all these small places, small towns. What is there, a total of 10 stops? Eight, uh, eight actually. Eight, eight stops? Well, well nine know, if we include Prescott Valley. Yeah, so. nine, we did Prescott Valley. We'd never had a monthly meeting in Prescott Valley before, and we found the wonderful outdoor venue at Mountain Valley Park. And it was just, we had a fabulous meeting in Prescott Valley um, and uh, it's uh, you know we had we had candidates speaking and all you know uh, new people turn out but what we found is is that in and we did we just did one at uh, Granite Creek Vineyards in uh, Chino Valley which was a beautiful venue to have a you know and it, they it wasn't they're not huge meetings I mean I don't know what we have 40 people at that one Jay <laughs> um, but the people that show up are just so appreciative that we've taken the show on the road. And it's like you're talking about, the, Steve, the division of, you know, the mountain and one side or the other. And this bringing the, the monthly meeting to this side of the mountain has just never been done before that we know of. Um, not, and not since uh, I arrived yeah, here in and, 2002, and yeah, I saw nothing. And so, you know, and then doing these, you know, Rimrock or Yarnell Congress, you know, any any all these little places we go, we're finding that new people show up and they're enthused and they volunteer. And you know, the other thing is, is and Jay needs to get into a little bit of detail on on the referendums, but we need these petitions signed so that these horrible laws that our legislature have, has passed do not take effect and that's and what the referendums are about and go, we're carrying those petitions and people are taking out those petitions to have 10 or 15 of their neighbors sign from all these uh, outreach meetings so we're doing a you know, a big, uh, we're really, really trying to get a lot of signatures on the referendums through this and, and there's actually an urgent deadline on that because Arizona's constitution allows us to any law passed by the legislature can be put up for a vote to the to the general public, but you have 90 days to gather enough signatures for that to happen. So at the close of legislature on July, I think, or June 30th or July 1st, we got 90 days to get about 150,000 So signatures. let's talk about these referendums. Let's talk yeah. about what you guys are doing with the petition in, in some detail so folks understand what's going on. Um, the thing that that I think is wonderful is that two guys are doing so much stuff over here, and we tried and tried to bridge the the gap between between the, that side of the mountain and our side over here, and, and the idea of the, way back in 2004 sending me over there once a month um, to meet the, uh, meet you folks was a really good idea, but this is. A, quantum jump or two quantum jumps beyond that and steve partially it even comes out of the covid you know we've not our monthly meetings have been canceled for more than a year you know because we don't want to meet with large numbers indoors all of these are smaller meetings outdoors 
where people can feel safe or safer outdoors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have enough space and distance and there's, there's smaller meetings, but it's, it's, it's kind of a product of the COVID that sent us on the road, you know, and, and to, to, and, to make our outreach. And, and we're finding it just people but, love and, it. And the Zoom meetings that mm-hmm. we did online were e- much more easily accessible for everyone around the county. I think that's great. I I remember the wonderful um, oh, uh, campaign uh, uh, dinners and stuff, fundraising dinners. You guys had a great big. Uh, what people don't realize is that is that politics can be a lot of fun, and uh, uh, you know you go over there and there was all these people from all over, and there was some of the unions were there, and way way back the governor was there. And uh, it was just a lot of fun. It, it, yeah, it's it's like it, it's like a big party, and and the food was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's get serious and talk about what what you're doing, Jay. Well, the, the, with the referendums. And I should say that there's that there's seven petitions to sign. Three are basically about education, and three are about voter suppression. And one is the outlaw dirty money campaign, which right. is now stop dark money. And the six of them are in response to bills that were passed. And I'm going to talk about the education ones first and then the voter suppression ones second because they sort of break out into that way. So uh, Save Our Schools, sort of the Red for Ed education movement, um, is backing three bill, th- the petitions for three laws that were passed that basically created a type of flat tax. And... You remember in in the last election in 2000, we passed Proposition, I think, 208, which allocated anybody making over – any couple making over $500,000 a year, somebody making over $250,000 a year, their first dollar and every dollar above that amount would have a 1% tax on it. People should understand that it it was an increase of tax only – after you've made your $500,000 or right. your $250,000. Yeah. It's only increased on the top above that. It's not an increase even on wealthy people yeah. for, for most of their income. If you're making $235,000 a year, this doesn't even affect you. Yeah. Right. And, and, if, and if you make $510,000 a year, it only affects the 10000 And that was clearly right. passed by the state voters. And the state voters, okay. And here's so the, here's the thing, Jay. So the state voters passed this thing. What's happened? What did the state legislature do? And why the are you legislature got these then then put in a, a, a type of flat tax proposal that basically decreased the tax on higher income earners so that they would get back the money that <laughs> they would have to pay through this tax, which then effectively took the money out of the system. For education. So the people are trying to add money to the education budget because, you know, Democrats, Republicans, you know, because we're like 49th and 50th in the country. We're, in we're, terms we're, of fifth, we're solid 50th in the country as far as funding schools, public so schools. So the people wanted to do something about it and the legislature undid because then if you have this flat tax, there's no more extra and, money and, and going to note, education. The legislature did it. With a 16-14 Senate vote and a 31-29 party line vote in both cases. We don't have a filibuster at the state level. We hear about the filibuster stops all of our legislation at the federal level. At the state level, stuff is getting passed on one-vote majorities. I think that's a great point to make. I don't think people understand it's just one vote that they're passing all this stuff. 
And, uh, and the worst, 14, the most 16, extreme 14. stuff that they're doing is being passed by a single vote. A single vote. Yeah, a single vote or two votes. Yeah. yeah. Depending on which, which house you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Anyway, and that's, that's all completely different here in the Verde Valley. If, if Coral Evans had gotten in in the last thing, the House would have been tied 30-30. And then we'd have had to have real government. Because they would have had to have actually compromised. There's been no compromise by the leadership of the Senate or the House. They don't really talk Arizona. to Democrats at all when they're considering legislation or not much. I, I remember the treatment of... These, these bills that the referendums are for were dropped a half an hour before they were passed. So there was no time to even read them. Oh, my gosh. That's why we as the voters need to get out. Sign these petitions and put it on the ballot. That's what will happen is it will get on the ballot. And then we can decide and then we have time to really look at it. And I think when people look at it and see that they're creating tax loopholes to defund education, they won't want it. And the other issue is in Arizona, there's a rule that in order to raise taxes, you need a two-thirds majority. But in order to cut them, it's only 50 plus one. You don't That's know what skewed. to say. That's uh, skewed. Say. So the petitions just put these on the ballot. You don't have to even support the initiative or the, the reference. This gets right. it so the voters decide. This so gets the it voter, on the voters ballot. Decide yeah. Voters decide instead of the legislature okay. having decided these right. things what are by these? one vote. Okay. Uh, sorry. Go, go ahead. So that, go ahead. I mean, that's the one with education. And these will be at all of our events coming up. So okay. whether Why are there three of them? Uh, well, there were so many difficult bills passed by the legislature. There probably could have been 15. Well, but you know, it's hard to get people to sign seven petitions. <laughs> yeah. So they picked out the three, especially these ones that that cut taxes, um, because once, like I say, once you cut taxes in Arizona, you can't raise them except with a two-thirds majority. So this is really you can drop it with fifty percent, but you can only raise it with two-thirds. That means that they're kind of going to be like permanent tax cuts. And that could be totally debilitating for an already traumatized school system here. We tried. Uh, we had such good candidates uh, uh, over here, and we're in a little dis- different district than, than you guys. And it, you know, Coral Evans was one, and it just we had these great candidates, Felicia and they French, still yeah. didn't make it. Alicia yeah. French. I don't know how we get better candidates than that. And and. Uh, well, the Trump voters in the eastern part of our district turned out big time, and that that was the surge John yeah, talked about yeah. earlier in his. So days, yeah. uh, we failed to 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 break it, uh, to turn the thing into to something that's a little fairer and a little more balanced because we were not able to elect our representatives over yeah. here. Well, this brings us to a next the next round of petitions here, which is voter suppression bills. There are three bills right now, which we're also petitioning to get on the ballot. One removes uh, public investment in elections. So imagine there are some counties that don't have enough finances to make sure that there's accessibility to drop boxes. So a nonprofit comes in and says, hey, we can provide some drop boxes so more people have accessibility to voting. The legislature has now banned. Like with this law, it makes it illegal for nonprofit organizations, which are not partisan, to simply help create voter accessibility. Another one that went through uh, is 
the permanent early voting list. I'm guessing you're on it, right? I am. Been a on lot it. of people. It's it, great. <laughs> you can you can get your ballot. You can look at it. You can be traveling. Like we're so many good things up. More than eighty percent of list. the people in Yavapai County are on the permanent early, early voting list. This it is has worked so well, and uh, and frankly, I think that. Uh, I know both and talked to both recorders. One Yavapai is a Republican, uh, and Calcogonino uh, is a uh, is a Democrat. It's wonderfully won, and you've got a lot of these drop boxes in Yavapai because Yavapai is fairly wealthy compared to some of these mm-hmm. small counties, right? Let's just be honest about it. Yavapai is a is a it's a wealthy retirement community. Is a wealthy retirement. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, so is Sedona, and, and we might as well just. You know, it's 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 just not Yuma or somewhere. You know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so but, so the other thing here is with the permanent early voting list, the 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 law that they passed is if you miss a couple of elections, that could be you could miss a special election, you could miss a city municipal election, you can miss a primary. They're going to remove you from the permanent early voting list. Yeah. And this creates a barrier. We should not be taking – if it's a permanent early voting list, they're trying to change it to an active voter list. And, and so this is one of the things we want to stop. Another bill in here removes the Secretary of State's power to oversee elections until, <laughs> until the end of her term. So then it gets reinstated. You can't have more blatantly partisan law passed. Astonishing. And the thing is that the amazing. Republicans, I've got to say, have gotten, you know, since I was young, when we were all sort of friends, um, has gotten worse and worse and worse. And this is this 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 law that they passed is basically aimed at a republic. I mean, a Democratic uh, Secretary of State. When she leaves office, they hope they have a Republican in there, and then they change it back. No, right. it automatically changes back. Automatically changes. Yeah, back. it's like it sunsets on the day of. Right. And, and, and so when you're passing laws like that, you no longer are even operating under the pretext of working in a democracy. You're trying to establish it's, permanent one-party rule. That's the end rule. of democracy when things like that can be passed. That's just ridiculous. And, and, I mean, my grandfather was Republican, and he was about dialogue. He was about let's sit at the table and work this out. I don't see that in I shouldn't say uh, there are Republicans who do that, and I respect them. But the seditionist wing of today's GOP does not want dialogue. They just want power. And that's dangerous. And they're willing to do this kind of things. I mean, uh, here's a political party, folks, in the United States who trying to keep power, maintain power, increase power by cutting down the vote. it is a completely illegitimate strategy. Um, you know, every other country I can think of encourages people to vote. Uh, or in Australia, I think they fine you if you don't vote, right? That's so, similar. I mean, there, there's all these different tactics, but we're the only country with... First, there's no national rules much. There is some national, but... Uh, okay, so those are the those are the three voter those suppression. The, the, and taken together, uh, Jay, what do you think the impact on, on voters is going to be? Well, it's going to diminish the amount of people who have easy accessibility to voting. If you can't put, if, if a nonprofit can't come in and help put in drop boxes in Navajo and Apache County, that's going to diminish the turnout of the Navajos. 
Republicans have been manipulating uh, how the Navajo vote for generations, making sure that they that uh, their elections are different than the state elections and in different places than the state election. And it's if, uh, if people if people are not on the permanent early voting list anymore and like their ballot doesn't get sent to them. It cre- then they have to re-register. That is, it's registering voters takes time, and you know it's it'll have a diminishing effect. And yeah. the thing is, we should be making voting secure and accessible and easy, yeah, so that exactly. we have greater participation. And, and, and you know, in places like the reservation, your your ballot being mailed to you is is you know of. Uh, 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 Depending on the weather, on uh, you know, and where you live, and how slimy that dirt road is, you know, you, to, to think that you have to make it to some polling place, you know, seventy-five miles away, you know, that's you know down some slippery slope is 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 you know, it, it's just untenable. It's Way back in the Kerry campaign, we called up on the reservation to try to get reach voters and it was an absolute nightmare of bad numbers, uh, broken numbers, disconnected lines. Um, and uh, the fact that you know we only speak English, we don't speak Navajo, and we got we got purely Navajo speakers. Um, we tried, but we just it just didn't work then. And it's the difficulty of the the huge reservation with people scattered in groups all over it. Yeah, with roads that are. Uh, tenuous. <laughs> tenuous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is. I think as Democrats, we. We advocate for voting rights. I mean, we advocate Absolutely. for women's rights. We advocate for education. We advocate for health care. We advocate for the environment. I think these issues really resonate with people. Um, I think one of our challenges here in the Verde Valley is there's sort of a bit of a distancing to the Democratic Party. People are like slightly leery of it. And no, I, I, I just want true. people to, ch- to to challenge that because when it comes to things like uh, let's talk about the annexation of Spring Creek and, no. you know, the uh, preserving the Verde River. You know, the Democratic Party is going to be helping to make sure that the community's voice is heard and that we're going to be protecting the environment. We're going to be making sure there's health care tended to. We're going to be looking to make sure our public schools are funded. I just think that's a, a great point, this leeriness of the Democratic Party that's been built in. Um, I don't know what we can do about part of its tradition. Once the Republicans got control of the state, uh, then people really have forgotten that their grandparents were Democrats here in Arizona. And that this was one time a very progressive state with a very progressive constitution back 100 years ago. That's why we have the, the possibility for these petitions. We can actually challenge our state legislature. Not everyone to, can do that. Jay, are they trying to undo the ability to use these these these, these the uh, petitions themselves? Yeah. Are they trying to? Undo <laughs> well, let's say let's say if you're a candidate, you can get your petition signed online. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Right. Of course, modern rules. Absolutely. All these petitions have to have a signature done in person on a piece of paper. That creates an immense extra load of work. I would, I would almost guarantee that if we could do these petitions online, you'd have them all. We'd already have enough signatures. Yeah. So, you know, it isn't. I think that they're trying to take it away. I think that there's ways to make things easy and difficult. Some people might say that's politics, 
But I'd say that's the pursuit of power for power's sake. It's it's reached a point, the gerrymandering and and uh, voter suppression, that it does affect elections. It does help them get candidates that elected that wouldn't get there otherwise. Yeah. It really does. And it's gotten worse and worse and worse. It used to be a kind of joke, and the Republicans did it, and the Democrats did it, and it was all the same. Now it's now it's the deep. The deep state of the Republican Party is, or the one of their deeper it's, ideas it's the is voter the seditionist wing of the GOP. Because yes. it's not all. There's Republicans in Maricopa County who've spoken against the fraud, like Stephen Richer, like Bill Gates. Yeah, we shouldn't and, we shouldn't forget that there that that, that there are a lot of um, um, traditional Republicans around, as well as these more extreme folks. Uh, they're, they're around and they make statements, but they seem to still vote as a as a block. Um, you know, so that's that's one of those problems. But you said the word ger- gerrymandering, and we haven't gotten to the redistricting part of the yeah. R and R yet. Let's go there. And we're we're, we're uh, we probably should hit that. Yeah, a little bit. everything's so getting tight. Yeah, let's so, get to redistricting. So just a little bit on the redistricting, well, redistricting which is very complex. There, there's but. on September 14th, the Independent Redistricting Commission is going to drop the grid maps. The grid maps are just evenly proportioned, compact maps for both congressional and legislative. Then feedback comes in for the next three weeks. So take note, if you want to participate in this process, you'll be able to see the maps. And you can then actually submit your own map. I recommend for people in the Verde Valley to get in touch with Democrats, the Red Rocks and Holly Plug, because they have been researching the independent redistricting. They understand the ways to look at it, um, the different communities of interest that are at stake. I think that's a great suggestion. Certainly in Sedona, I recommend everybody go to to the um, Democrats Red Rock door, a great supporter of this show. And uh, their offices now have have office hours. And um, their meetings are still all Zoom. Their wonderful breakfasts are now all Zoom. But I, that's a great place to get information, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, yeah. I'd like to shout out to our, in the, the our pro- office is also open on the other side of the hill in in uh, in, in, in Prescott, and um, our uh, redistricting liaison there is also my executive assistant, and that's Maria Lynam. Um And you'd get a hold of her th- any way you want, but through info at yavdem.org is always a you know a, a, a path to finding anything out. And Prescott Indivisible is is actually the the group that is spearheading the redistricting effort on on the in Western Yavapai County, and they have different prerogatives. I just don't think people understand how easy it is to uh, to talk to uh, Democratic candidates, Democratic Party people. I mean, you can just call them on the phone. You can just say hello to them. You call call John and say, I want to talk until to the they're chairman. Sen- until the they're a U.S. senator, party. then it gets a little tougher. And it gets really <laughs> tough. And, you know, I'll tell you, it's hard to get... Uh, we, have, we get all the Democratic candidates on the show, and then when you get to senator, it's a, it's a real pulp. Yeah, yeah. So, Let me, I just want to finish up. After the, after the grid maps are dropped, there's a period of feedback for about two to three weeks, and then the, the Independent Redistricting Commission sits together, and then they propose the new legislative and congressional maps, and then there'll be a 30-day comment period from the 
30th of October through the 28th of November. That's also going to be we, really important. We kind of started into the redistricting without an overview, and I don't know if it's – but but just so everybody knows, redistricting in Arizona only occurs once every 10 years following the census. And the census data is just coming in and being put together, and these maps uh, – the, that's when your congressional and legislative districts are redrawn. So this is the only time in 10 years that you have a chance yeah. to be involved in this not being gerrymandered. And, and I got to give a shout out to the Verde Valley Democrats. They're going to be That's doing right. a. Uh, when is their meeting? Uh, their their meeting is the first Thursday of the month. They just had it last uh, week on the second. Okay. But they're also going to be doing a political video night at Calavera's restaurant on the 14th of October. Okay. And that's, I mean that'll be pending COVID, but they're they're looking at trying to find uh, a way so to do it outside a, there. A shout out to Democrats of the Red Rock for their support for the Yavapai Democratic Party for their support. Um, all these broadcasts are all the airtime is paid for. We have to raise money every year, and we hope to have a uh, fundraiser in November. Also, Steve Signer's El Portal is a really is a really great boutique hotel. It's so dog friendly and pet friendly that uh, that maybe the pets pay the bills. I don't know. Um, so we have uh, some great supporters. Um, give us the Sedona meeting. Uh, and we've got about, what, 30 seconds right. left. Three uh, meetings. I'll be quick. Rimrock tomorrow, the 7th, at 1.30 p.m. at Emerald Waves. Sedona, 4.30 on Wednesday the 8th at Sedona Charter School. And Cottonwood at 5 p.m. at the Fojol Brothers with Adrian Fontes. You've been listening to Democratic Perspective, brought to you by the Verde Valley Independent Democrats, a weekly talk show focusing on the political issues facing the Verde Valley, Sedona, Northern Arizona, and our nation at large. Catch us every Monday morning after the 8 a.m. news, right here on AM 780 KAZM. It's beautiful out there, folks. Have a great day.